Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. This is your host, John Hagedorn. I've created a place you can go to anytime you need to take a break from everyday life and work. A place you can always count on for a great story. And it's called 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner. Or simply, Roy's Diner. It's just up ahead on the right. On the menu tonight at Roy's Diner, the very best of 50s vintage suspense, thriller, and sci-fi radio. We're inviting you to stop in for a story or two. The caffeine here is included in the story. And now, two stories for your entertainment. All we ask is that you share them with others and send us a review when you can. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape, brought to you by your Richfield gasoline dealer and the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York. Marketers of Richfield gasolines with xylene, rich lube, all-weather motor oil, and other famous petroleum products. Look for the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps. Tonight... We escape to the jungles of South America and a seething tale of terror and violence as told by James Poe in Bloodbath, starring Mr. Vincent Price. By portaging the rapids and walking the mules in the shallower stretches, we'd managed to get our supplies and equipment more than 1,700 miles up the river. After this, further navigable passage being impossible, we'd traveled by foot, hacking our way through the thick, steaming jungle, coaxing and goading the heavily laden beasts. We'd left the jungle and begun the climb, Eleven days later, high in the Andes, we found our objective, and we set to work, hard work. And then, on a hazy afternoon in late May, we found it. I shall never forget the scene. Below us, the mountains swung down to the jungle which stretched eastward, far as the eye could see. 
The peaks above us had cut off the setting sun and the light had a curious violet quality. The dank, chill wind whispering and gusting set the sparse timber scrubs to trembling and shuddering and the mules, disdainful of their five strange masters, foraged the cacti and dwarf pine. The instruments were set up and the specimens were at hand and now, crouched and tense, we leaned forward. How about it, Hess? Wait. The tube's got to warm up. Come on, come on. Wait, will you? I've waited five years for this moment. Five, five hundred, you mean? Five million? Come on, Hessie. How about it, Hess? Mm-hmm. Okay. Give him the sample, O'Brien. Yeah, here. Come on, baby. Shut up, will you? Shh. Here goes. Switch on. Holy cow. Good. Good. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Hesse. What's the word? Yeah, Hesse, give. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Unless this machine is busted, unless this Geiger counter has forgotten its multiplication table, we have discovered the richest load of uranium ore known to man. I won't go into the details of how we'd come to locate the ore because that's a story in itself. Suffice it to say that late in the afternoon of that hazy May day, the five of us, gamblers all, came to the end of our rainbow, found our pot of gold. The vein runs all the way up the side of the mountain. Must be worth a million bucks. A million, a billion. A trillion bucks. <laughs> Do you boys realize what we've got here? Sure we do. We've got the world at our feet. Why, the man who gets the strike registered in his name can be a king. Every country in the world is going to come running up to him with trunks full of money and power. Ah, <laughs> you tell him, Hesse. Power? Yeah, we'll make the United States the most powerful nation on earth. Why the United States? Oh, you wouldn't sell to anybody else, would you? <laughs> I'm a businessman, Harris. You're a fool. No, no. I'm a businessman. A trillion bucks. <laughs> oh, gents, we've got the world at our feet. Split five ways. The world at our feet. Split five ways. That night, as I lay huddled under my thin blanket, I wondered what it would be like being a wealthy man. Wondered if it were really true. Wondered how it would affect the others, how it would affect me. In the morning, we were to set off on the long return journey down to the jungle and through the jungle to the launch and down the river to civilization. There, we'd register our claim, purchase, if need be, the land, lease it perhaps from the government. Hmm. Oh, millionaires, world at our feet. Uranium, enough to blow up the whole universe. Power. Harris, wake up. Uh, oh, what's the, what's wake the up, time? Harris, wake up. Oh, good morning, millionaire. Weems, wake up. The sun's coming up. Hey, huh? hey, where are the others? They're gone. Huh? Gone? Yes, Dumont and O'Brien. They took the mules and most of the food and cut out. When? How do I know when? Sometime during the night. But why? Why? A trillion bucks, that's why. Oh, no, no, no. Once they get down to the jungle, they'll have to travel on foot. There's ten days' march to the river. If they beat us to the boat, we're stuck with 1,500 miles of jungle between us and safety. Fifty? Impossible. We'd never make a hundred. That's right. 
We've got to catch them or we're dead. We traveled as lightly as possible. It was a risky business, doubly so because O'Brien and Dumont had taken our guns with them. The only weapons we had between us were one long machete and two pocket knives. These would be of little protection against jaguars, bushmasters, tapirs, bow constrictors, and the rest of it. Fortunately, they'd left our number one necessity to survival. They'd forgotten to take our quinine. This and our food was all we carried. The long descent to the jungle was slow going on foot. It was here that we nearly gave up hope. We moved as fast as we could, but we were no match for men who were riding. But we reached the jungle. Then things took a better turn. Here the thick vines and heavy undergrowth was, we knew, almost an impossible hazard for a riding man. And we could see their boot prints mingled with those of the mules. We knew that they were having trouble, too. The animals were afraid of many things in the jungle. Would balk suddenly require careful handling? We pushed ahead as rapidly as possible, battling mosquitoes, pume flies, matukas, and the blood-sucking carpato ticks, and, of course, the jungle itself with its never-ending barrage of razor grasses, needle vines, swamps, bog traps, and so forth. It was hot, stinking hot, and the going was hard, but we had to make it. travel at night. They'd taken our flashlights. We'd bundle up as best we could, protecting ourselves, not from the cold, it was hot and muggy even at dawn, but from the mosquitoes. And as we progressed towards the river area, from the bats, vampire bats. Ever seen them? <laughs> They're small, rather fragile-looking little things. By day, they hang heads down from the trees, wings folded like like clusters of rotten fruit. By night, they hunt. They have razor-sharp teeth, bite like the finest steel scalpels. Their object is to break the skin very delicately, start the blood to coming, and then they simply hang on and sip. Without mosquito netting, we had a rough time of it, a sleepless time. But we managed to keep on going. And on the third day... Uh, it's not yours, fellas. We can't make it to the river before them. We've got to, Weensy. We've got to make it. right, Weensy. Even if we do catch up, they got the guns. Shh, shh. Huh? What are you stopping? Quiet, quiet. I heard something. What did you hear? Shh. Gunfire. Yeah. Come on. They can't be more than a mile or two ahead. Come on. We ran through the jungle, following the fresh marks of the animals and the two men. And a half an hour or so later, we broke into a little clearing, and there was Dumont. Dumont. He's dead. Shot in the back. <laughs> Good old Obi. Sweet guy, that Obi. Here, come on. Let's turn him over. He's really been sweating, huh? Yeah. It's malaria. You see his face? Good old Obi. And Dumont came down with malaria, probably started to slow him down. Sweet guy, that Obi. Come on. 
Come on, let's go. Yeah. Hey, they should have remembered the quinine. <laughs> I got no sympathy for Duma. <laughs> you know, you know what would be nice? What? If that, if that Obi should get malaria now. Yeah, he'd be helpless. He'd ask me for quinine. And I'd throw him a stone. On we went. Now there were no boot marks with the mule tracks. Apparently, O'Brien was riding one of the animals. From time to time, we'd see a flurry of tracks churned up as though he had had to dismount to tug one of the beasts back onto the trail. We followed the tracks for another two days, and then on the sixth day, we found one of the mules. How you feeling, boy? Huh? Where's your saddle? He really looks beat. Look at those marks on his flanks. Vampire bats. Yeah. That leaves O'Brien on foot. Yeah. Hey, hey, you hear that? Hey, it's the launch. Where did the river? He's starting the motor. Come on. Oh, yeah. It wasn't very far, just a few hundred yards, and the path was strewn with O'Brien's discarded supplies. Quite suddenly, we came out of the jungle and onto a narrow white sandbar, the river. And there, not 30 feet away from us, just drifting off into the deep, dark, fast-moving waters, was O'Brien in the launch. O'Brien! Look at him. He's like a skeleton. Obi! Wait for us, Obi! The launch lurched dizzily as it floated downstream. O'Brien was feeble, sweating, possessed. He had the fever, had it bad. Come on, let's go after you him. You can't. This is piranha water. Cannibal fish, they'll eat you. Yeah. Hey, Obi! Hey, you know me, Obi! Your old pal has me! Hey, what do you say, Obi? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Bring it, pal. He staggered dizzily about the cockpit, trying to start Look the engine. Look at him, He was laughing, and he was so weak that he could barely spin the flywheel to the kicker. Obi! He slipped! Huh? Good Lord, he's in the water! The fish, the piranhas! Oh, they got him, they got him! I ain't gonna look at this! One moment we saw him swimming weakly, his large, fever-ridden eyes turned imploringly toward us, and the next moment he was gone, leaving only a large, red, churning patch on the water. The piranhas are small, rarely more than 12 or 14 inches long, small fish with large, powerful jaws, teeth like broken glass, and an insatiable, maniacal appetite for flesh. The launch, caught by the deep, fast-moving waters, rocked softly this way and that, and moved on downstream, away. Away around a bend and out of sight. The march of science over the years has produced better-than-ever gasoline for your car. But now science adds one of the greatest gasoline components of all. It's called xylene. Xylene, a super gasoline component, adds two great qualities to gasoline. Xylene gives higher-than-ever Antinoch performance. Xylene means power. Today, every gallon of Richfield gasoline contains xylene. If you want a motor that runs quiet as a whisper... If you want pickup and power to spare, try Richfield Gasoline with Xylene. Your Richfield dealer offers a choice of two great Richfield Gasolines with Xylene. Richfield High Octane at regular price for the average motor. Or Richfield Ethyl. Ethyl at its best. 
for tip-top results in the highest compression motors. Drive in where you see the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps. Get Richfield gasoline with xylene. Xylene, one of the highest Antonoc components in gasoline history. And now we return you to Escape, starring Vincent Price. We picked over the supplies O'Brien had left on the shore. There wasn't much we wanted. A gun without ammunition, a few tins of food, a tent and some bedding, cooking equipment, a coil of rope. We loaded these things onto the mule and set off through the jungle, downstream along the river's course, 1,500 miles to civilization. had it tough. The jungle was thick along the river's bank, and we made little progress. Not more than five miles that day, but the next day, we rounded a bend, keeping close to the shore, and there, about a quarter mile below us, and nuzzling the opposite shore, grounded on the sand, lay the launch. Looks shallow enough here. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, but what about the fish? How deep does it look to you, Harris, at the deepest spot on me? Oh, I don't know, maybe two and a half feet, maybe three. Most of it's less than that. I got an idea. Shoot. We got to get across the launch, see? Yeah. So here's what we do. We throw away everything. There'll be food and water in the launch, see? Yeah. Now, you see that little patch of sand in the middle of the river where the bar shows? Yeah. We go that way. That's bound to be the shallowest way, see? How do we go? On the mule, the three of us. Ah, you're nuts. This mule ain't in such bad condition it can't get the three of us across 70 feet of shallow water. What do you say, Harris? Why not? All right, I'll get aboard first. Come on. Get farther up, Weemsy. You're the lightest. Yeah. Harris, you get on next. Mm -hmm. Hang on to Weemsy. Here, here. Carry this coil of rope around your neck. We may okay. need it. I've got the machete strapped to my back. Hey, you set, Weems? Yeah. Now hold tight to me, Hess. Don't worry. If I go, you go too. Yeah. And if he goes, I go. So let's hang on, gents. Yeah. Let's really hang on. As long as he's moving fast, he can't get at his legs. Ain't that right? He's not showing anything to him but hoofs and hair. Hold his head up, Weems. Don't let him look down. Uh, now, you all set? Yeah, all set. All right, here we go. All right, get off. Come on, come on. Come on, baby. I felt the mule lurch when he stepped into the water. The sand was softer here than on the shore. Ahead, not 40 feet away, lay the little spit of land. The mule refused to run, couldn't run, and before he'd taken 10 steps, I knew he was too weak to support the three of us. From every direction in the swirling water about us came small, shadowy, dark shapes. The piranhas. Don't stop! Come on, baby. Keep moving, baby. Come on. Move along, baby. He can't do it. You gotta do it, baby. Come on. Sweet mother... What are those? The piranhas were churning the water about us, and coming in from beyond them were four or five long, dark shapes, six and seven feet long, thick and wriggling. Eels, electric eels. Uh, they'll sting them. Get along to the bar. Get him to the sandbar. Faster, faster. Come on. <laughs> Made it. It's true about electric eels. <sighs> They can throw a jolt that'll kill a jaguar. They got jaws like a vice. So, here we are, gentlemen, stuck. Just 30 feet of water between us and the shore. Get across it, and we can get to the launch and to civilization and all the rest. Oh, the three of us are too much for that mule. Uh, only 30 feet. Why, you could run it in seconds. You see those little shadows around us in the water? I see those little shadows around us. 
You don't have to draw pictures. Hey. Oh, here's another bright idea coming up. As a matter of fact, yeah. Yeah, hold on to your hat, Harris. We got that curler rope. Yes. The mule could carry one of us. That mule's not in such bad shape, you know. Yes. Tie the rope over his bridle. Then one of us pulls him over with him fast, you see. One rides, and then the other two pull him back. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one gets on. Yeah. What do you say? Oh, he can't stay here. It's a natural. Who uh, goes first? Me, on account I'm the lightest. I won't tire him so much. How about it, Harris? All right. Well, get going then. Okay. Tie that rope to his bridle. I'm doing it. All right, give me the machete. What do you want the machete for? I want it, that's all. Give me. Okay. All right, now you two get at the end of the spit. So as when you pay out the line, you don't get it caught in his legs. Well, you think of everything. That's right, I'm a smart boy. Ready with the line. You sure it's tied fast to the bridle? Yeah, I'm sure. No funny business, Weems. All we got to do is jerk this rope once while you're over that water and you're done for. You're a sharp article. Yeah, that's right. But not sharp enough. Hey, Weems, you cut the rope. So long, suckers. The rope. Our only salvation was cut. And now Weems, grinning and riding, was out into the stream, heading for the shore and safe. He went not 15 feet when one of the long, dark, wriggling shapes made for the mule and got his leg. The mule reared up on his hind legs, the eel clinging to his foot, pumping paralyzing shocks into him. Weems clutched his neck with one hand and slapped him on the flank with the flat of the machete with the other. The mule came down and more eels went for his legs. He began to lurch sideways. Weems swung the long steel blade in an arc, barely missing the mule's leg, and connected with one of the eels. His hair seemed to stand on end. His other arm released the mule's neck. The arm holding the blade was extended stiffly, still caught in the thick muscular back of the electric eel. And then the mule reared again, and Weems fell back into the water. The mule, freed of Weems, made the shore and vanished into the jungle. We turned away. No man could watch what was happening to Weems and retain his sanity. And so, there we were. Hess and I on that sand spit which the river was slowly washing away. Night coming, vampire bats coming, and all about us, the electric eels and the little cannibal fish waiting. There was no moon. There were evil stars, red and yellow. It was a black sky, and against it, blacker shapes, the vampire bats. We waved our arms and kept them off, but again and again, during that long and terrible night, they brushed against us, squealing and squeaking, trying to get us. Dark, evil, thirsting bats. A thousand years later came the dawn. That water's taken a lot of sand away. This thing isn't much bigger than a card table. Mm. Look at them. Look at those fish. You think they had enough to eat yesterday? Mm. Listen, Harris. No matter what happens now, at least you and I have played it square, right? Yeah, that's right, Harris. Shake my hand, Harris. All right. Because I think I got an idea on how we can get out of here. What? Yeah. 
Look up there. Yeah. See, see that vine hanging down from the big tree? It's over the water and it must be 15 feet up. Yeah, yeah, but if you were on it, you could do a Tarzan to the shore. The rope? That's right. Now, if we can just lasso the end of that and pull tight, we'll have enough swing to make it across. Swing like a pendulum, if you follow me. One guy gets on the other's shoulders to swing over to get the start, see? Then when he gets to shore, he fastens a rock and swings the rope back to the other. Uh, that vine will hold. It'll work. It took us two hours before we managed to lasso the end of that vine. And then we tested it again and again until we were positive it would hold a man's weight. And then we were ready. Stand good and steady now, pal. I'm going to go easy on you, but don't shake. Because if you spill me in that water, I'm a gone guy. I'm ready. <clears throat> I'm ready. Good luck. Uh, here. No! I felt his feet leave my shoulders, and then he was off, skimming the water with his feet drawn up, and then, miraculously, he was on the shore. Good boy! Good boy! <laughs> Yeah. Like a breeze, huh? <laughs> like a breeze. Hey, uh, any rocks around there? Sorry. He smiled at me and shrugged and then looked down the stream at the launch. I knew that smile, that trillion-dollar smile. It said, so long, sucker. Don't do it, Hess. Send me the rope. <laughs> You're too nice a guy, Harris. You and I would never get along. You, you can have it all, Hess. Every scrap of it. Only for the love of mercy, send me the rope. No, no, you'd want some. You wouldn't approve of what I mean to do with it. Hess! <laughs> he stood there laughing at me and shaking his head slowly. But a, above him, just over his head, was another vine, thick and mottled, and it was moving. Look out, Hess! Hess! <laughs> he didn't understand or didn't hear me. Just stood there smiling and shaking his head. The boa constrictor dropped heavily and accurately a thrashing tangle of scaly muscles. (laughs) The sun was hot, blistering hot. I was alone, all alone, except for the ever-waiting piranhas. Hess's body was hidden by the low, scrubby vines and palmettos. Several hours later, I saw the boa, now gorged, slither lumpily away. I waited, and I waited. From time to time, I thought of stepping out into the stream. It would be over very quickly, I told myself, very quickly. But I... I couldn't. And then I noticed an odd... The current which had been sweeping the sand away had shifted slightly. A whim, a miracle. And now new sand from some sunken bar was beginning to pile up between me and the shore, grain by grain, rib by rib. I watched this. And I watched. And I watched. And at five o'clock that afternoon, I walked ashore to the lawn and didn't even get my feet wet.
It's nice where I live. Quiet little streets, nice people, nice kids, nice country, peaceful, nice peace. I know where there's enough uranium to blow it all to hell. Want it? Just go up the river. Up the river, it's, uh, it's for the taking. Ask Dumont and Obi and Weems and Hess. A trillion bucks worth. Enough to give the whole world a bloodbath. Yourself included. Warm summer weather makes you think of baseball games, picnics, and holiday driving. But be sure your car's ready when you are. Get Richfield All Point Safety Service. The service that puts your car in top shape for warm weather driving. With Richfield All Point Safety Service, you get a careful All Point lubrication job that protects the chassis, transmission, and differential. You get lubricants that stick to your car's ribs no matter what the temperature. You get the protection of Rich Lube All Weather Motor Oil, the Pennsylvania premium grade oil that cleans as it lubricates. You also get a safety check of batteries, spark plugs, tires, and radiator. And expert service if your car has automatic transmission. The Richfield gasoline dealer is specially trained to protect your car against wear and breakdown. So get Richfield All Point Safety Service tomorrow. Look for the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. And tonight starred Mr. Vincent Price. Bloodbath was written by James Poe. Others in the cast were Wally Mayer, Ted DeCorsia, Paul Fries, and Tony Barrett. Special music arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. Next week... You are groping your way slowly through the dark hold of a ship at sea. Moving carefully, step by step, dreading to find what you know is there. Death in the form of a deadly Bushmaster from which there is no escape. Next week at this time, the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York invites you to escape to the Caribbean and a grim voyage of impending death as Martin Storm tells it in his exciting tale, A Shipment of Mute Fate. Goodbye then until this same time next week when once again we offer you Escape. Tom Hanlon speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape, brought to you by your Richfield gasoline dealer and the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York. Marketers of Richfield gasolines with Xylene, Rich Lube all-weather motor oil and other famous petroleum products. Look for the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps. Tonight, we escape to a tropic harbor in Venezuela and the story of a grim voyage of impending death which started from there. As Martin Storm tells it in his exciting story, A Shipment of Mute Fate. I stopped on the wharf at LaGuaira. Looked up at the gangplank, toward the liner Chankay. Standing there quietly are her moorings. The day was warm under a bright tropic sun, and the harbor beyond the ship lay drowsy and silent. But all at once, in the midst of those peaceful surroundings, a cold chill gripped me, and I shivered with sudden dread. Dread of the thing I was doing and was about to do. But too much had happened to turn back now. I'd gone too far to stop. I set the box down on the edge of the wharf, placed it carefully so as to be in plain sight and within gunshot of the captain's bridge. Then I turned and started up the gangplank. I knew what I was going to do, but I couldn't forget that a certain pair of beady eyes were watching every move I made. Eyes that never blinked and never closed, just watched and made. Oh, oh, pardon me. You startled me, sir. I didn't hear... Oh, why, it's Mr. Warner. Hello, Mother Willis. How's the best-looking stewardess on the seven seas? Oh, I, I'm, I'm fine, Mr. Warner. Uh, it's nice to see you again. Wait a minute. That's a fine greeting after two months. Well, it, it's just that I'm so busy. Oh, don't believe a word of it. Sailing day's tomorrow. You're simply avoiding me, that's all. Oh, no, no, really, I'm and not. And on the trip down from New York, you said I was your favorite passenger. But I'm only... Here, here, what's that you're carrying in your apron? Oh, it, it's nothing. It's uh, uh, just supplies. Supplies, huh? Let's have a look. Oh, no, please. I... Why, it's a cat. It's Clara, Mr. Warner. Mr. Bowman said I had to leave her ashore, but I just couldn't. Well, who's Mr. Bowman? The new chief steward. Clara's been aboard with me for two years, and I just can't leave her here in a foreign country. Especially with her condition so delicate and all. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I see what you mean. Well, I hope you get away with it. Oh, you won't tell anyone, huh? Not a soul. Matter of fact, Mother Willis, if I don't get my way with the captain, you and I may both end up smuggling. Most well, happy to have had you aboard on the trip down two months ago, Christopher. And I'm very glad you're coming along with us on the run back to New York. Thanks, Captain Wood. Uh, there is one thing, though. No? I'm having a little trouble with the customs man here, and I, I wondered if you could... I can't do it, Christopher. I just cabled your father this morning, told him I'd have done it for you. If I possibly could, he sent a request from New York, you know. Yes, I thought he would. I wired him from upriver last week. Well, I hated to refuse, but it's absolutely out of the question. Uh, Captain Wood, I'm afraid I don't follow you. Responsibility to the passengers, son. 
We'll have women and children aboard. And on a liner, the safety of the passengers comes ahead of anything else. But with proper precautions, Something Captain. might happen. I don't know what, but something might. You've carried worse things, Captain. There isn't anything worse, Christopher. And any skipper afloat will bear me out. No, I simply can't take the chance. And that's final. Final. It wasn't final if I could do anything about it. I hadn't come down here to spend two months in that stinking backcountry and then be stopped on the edge of the wharf. Two months of it. Heat, rain, insects, malaria. I'd gone clear in past the headwaters of the Orinoco. Traveled through country where every step along the jungle trail might be the last one. Well, Sanchez. Si, senor Warner. Better tell the men to start looking for a place to camp. It'll be dark in a little while. Si, senor. Very soon we turn to river. Camp on rocks by water. This very bad country. It's very bad country. You've been saying that for ten days now. Very bad country. You see, Senor Warner, this very bad country. Ah, skip it, will you? For all the luck we've had so far, it might as well be Central Park. Central Park? I don't understand. Never mind, never mind. But if we don't find something... Here, what's the matter? Quiet now. Sanchez, what's wrong? There in the path. See? Bushmaster. Bushmaster. The deadliest snake in the world. Bushmaster. Its Latin name was Lachesis mutus. Mute fate. It lay there in the center of the path, an eight-foot length of silent death, coiled loosely in an undulant loop, ready to strike violently at the least movement. Here was the one snake that would go after any animal that walked, or any man. It lay there and watched us, not moving, not afraid, ready for anything. The splotch of its color stood out like a horribly gaudy floor mat lying there on the brown background of the jungle, waiting for someone to step on it. Here was what I'd come 2,000 miles for. A bushmaster. Sanchez! I didn't want that snake killed. He no kill, senor. He gone. Bushmaster very smart, very quick. See bullet in time to dodge. Anyway, he's gone. The only one we've seen in five weeks. Oh, we find other. This very bad country. Well, lay off that gun next time. Don't shoot, you understand? Why you say no shoot? You want bushmaster? Sure, but I want it alive. Nombre sacristo. Senor Warner, you tell me you want Bushmaster, but you no say a lie. You're getting $200 for it. For dead man, what is $200? Tomorrow we go back to Caracas. I'll make it $500, Sanchez. I catch water snake, rattlesnake, any other kind, but I no catch Bushmaster. We go back to Caracas. Sanchez, I'll give you $1,000. It cost me $1,500. But three days later, Sanchez brought me the snake in a rubber bag. He was shaking so hard, I thought for a moment the thing had struck him. One thing you make sure, Senor Warner... No turn him loose in Venezuela, because he know I the one who catch him, and he know where I live. All right, Sanchez, I'll keep an eye on him. Tambien, he know you pay me to catch him. All the time he watch and wait for you, too. You no forget that, Senor Warner, because he no forget. Not ever. Well, after going through all that trouble and danger, I wasn't going to let a pig-headed ship's captain stop me at the last minute. At least not as long as the cables were still in operation between LaGuaira and New York. Morning, Captain Wood. Boy at the hotel said you wanted to see me. Yes, that's right, Christopher. Now, sit down. Thanks. Well, it seems you weren't willing to let matters stand the way we left them yesterday. I was sorry to go over your head, Captain, but I had to. The museum sent me all the way down here for it, and I'm not going to be stopped by red tape. Don't you realize this will be the only live Bushmaster ever brought to the United States? Well, if I had my way... Uh, orders are orders. I got a cable from the head office this morning. All right, suppose we talk about precautions. I'll handle it any way you say. 
Well, it's got to have a stronger box. That crate's too flimsy. Stronger than it looks, Captain. That wire screen on top, it hold a wildcat. But anyway, I bought a heavy sea chest this morning. We'll put the crate inside of that. Oh, well, that sounds all right. It got a lock on it. Heavy padlock. It's fixed so the lid can be propped open a crack without unlocking it. The snake's got to have air, you know. But in dirty weather, that lid stays shut. I'll take no chances. Fair enough. We'll keep the thing in my inside cabin where I sleep. Can't have it in the baggage room. And nobody on board's to know about it, understand? Whatever you say, Captain. But we won't have any trouble. After all, it's only a snake. Doesn't have any magical powers. Yeah. You know, Christopher, I saw a bushmaster in the zoo at Caracas once. Had it in a glass cage with double walls. It'd never move. Just lay there and look at you as long as you were in sight. <laughs> Give a man the creeps. I didn't know they had a bushmaster at the Caracas Zoo. They don't now. Found the glass broken one morning and the snake gone. The night watchman was dead. They never found out what happened. Well, the watchman must have broken the glass by accident some way. The way they figured it, the glass was broken from the inside. We sail in four hours. Into the Caribbean, with perfect weather and a sea as smooth as an inland lake. The barometer dropped a little on the third day, but cleared up overnight and left nothing worse than a heavy swell. But in spite of the calm seas and the pleasant weather, I was becoming possessed with an ominous anxiety. I was developing an obsessive fear of that snake. I stayed clear of the passengers pretty much, got the habit of dropping into Captain Wood's quarters several times a day. He kept the heavy box underneath his berth. I'd approach it quietly and shine my flashlight through the open crack. Never once could I catch that eight-foot devil asleep or even excited. He'd be lying there half-coiled, his head raised a little, staring at me with those beady black eyes, waiting. He'd still be like that when I'd turn away to leave. Maybe that's what bothered me. That horrible and constant watchful waiting. What in the name of heaven was he waiting for? Well, hello there, Mr. Warner. Oh, how are you, Mother Willis? My, but you and the captain spend an awful lot of time around this cabin. I'm beginning to think the two of you must have some guilty secret. Oh, nah, nothing like that, Mother Willis. I don't know about Captain Wood, but I certainly don't have any guilty secret. Well... Running quite a swell out there, Mr. Bowman. Yeah, it's a little heavy, all right, Mr. Warner. Guess the storm passed through to the west of us yesterday when the glass dropped. Think it missed us then, huh? Yeah, that's what the mate figures. Sure stirred up some water, though. <laughs> This'll put half the passengers in their bunks. Makes it great for my department. Two-thirds of them want a steward to hold their heads. They'll keep Mother Willis so busy, she... Hey, look at the size of that wave. What? Great Jehoshaphat, we're gonna take it on the port bow. Hang on. Wow. That was a freak if there ever was one. Not another wave that size in sight. You see them like that sometimes, even in a calm sea. I got to get topside, Mr. Warner. That water probably did some damage on the officer's deck. Yeah, I suppose... Hey, wait a minute. Yeah? What did you say? The wheel companionway was open on the port side. Bridge cabins must have taken a pretty bad smashing. They're right below... Something wrong, Mr. Warner? No. No, nothing at all, Mr. Bowman. At least I hope not. Of course, I knew it was only one chance in a thousand. 
But the chances against that freak wave were one in a thousand, too. I stumbled up the companionway and along the passage to the captain's cabin. Oh, come on in, Mr. Warner. Mother Willis. Why, isn't this cabin a mess? I'm trying to get some of these things out to dry. Yeah. I just wanted to check... Where's that box that was under the captain's bunk? Oh, that? Well, I, I just threw it out on deck here. What? Well, the desk over there slid into it. It was all smashed. But the small box inside of it, what happened to it? Oh, they were both splittered, Mr. Warner. Broke wide open. Oh, no. Why, Mr. Warner, you're white as a sheet. Mother Willis, will you go find Captain Wood? Tell him to come down here immediately. Well, of course, Mr. Warner. I'll go tell him right away. I pulled open the top drawer of the bureau beside me and took out the captain's flashlight and the loaded pistol. Mother Willis had left a mop standing by the door. I put my foot on the head of it and snapped off the handle. Every move I made turned into slow motion. I could hear my own heart beating. Slowly, I started to search the cabin. Sodden heaps of clothing were scattered around on the wet black floor. I punched at them one at a time, holding the gun cocked, the flashlight pointing along the stick. Nothing. I worked around the room, throwing the light into the dark corners. Back of the desk. Under the bunk. And wherever I turned, I could feel those cold, unblinking eyes at my back, watching waiting. Using the stick, I pushed open the closet door and threw the light inside. Carefully, I poked at the boxes and the junk on the floor. The snake was not in the closet. Inch by inch, I covered the entire cabin. And then I realized the horrible truth. Mother Willis just told me, Christopher. Captain. So it's happened. That's right, Captain. It's happened. I see you found the gun. We'd better start searching the cabin. Captain Wood. I just finished searching it. Then... Women, kids, and that thing loose on board. A thousand places to hide. Heaven help us, Christopher. Can you guess what this is? Research scientists worked for years to produce it. It gives your car new high antinoch. It costs you nothing extra. Well, it's xylene. Xylene is one of the highest antinoch gasoline components ever discovered. And today, every gallon of Richfield gasoline contains this super component, xylene. Richfield gasoline with xylene gives you new high antinoch power. Power that purrs like a kitten but pulls like an ox. Smooth, knockless power to zip you out ahead in traffic and keep you there. In addition, the Richfield dealer offers you a choice of two great Richfield gasolines with xylene. Buy Richfield High Octane at regular price for the average motor. Get Richfield Ethyl. Ethyl at its best for best results in the highest compression motors. Stop where you see the Richfield Eagle and the cream and blue pumps. Get Richfield gasoline with xylene tomorrow. And now we return you to... Escape! No use starting to blame anybody now, gentlemen. I didn't call you officers in here to pass judgment. The thing's done, and that's that. Well, you're right there, Captain. What we have got to do is make up our minds how we're going to handle it. It'd be easier if we didn't have to tell the passengers and crew, sir. I've seen panics aboard ship before. Yes, I agree with you, Mr. Bowman, but I don't quite see how we can avoid it. They got a right to know. As long as that snake's loose, everybody on board's in the same danger. 
And they all ought to know about it. Captain Wood, that thing is eight feet long. It can't simply crawl into a crack. Why don't we make a quick search of the whole ship before we spread any alarm? Yes, I've thought of that, Christopher. As far as I can see, the only place it couldn't be is in the boilers or on top of the galley stove. It might have crawled overboard. We can't count on that. We've got to assume it's on the ship somewhere. Yeah. Well, that could be anywhere. A coil of rope or in a pile of clothes. Yes, or under some woman's berth. Or a baby's crib. Or even... You've already said it. That Bushmaster could be anywhere. We've got to do something. We've got to do it fast. All right, gentlemen. I think the best idea is to follow Mr. Werner's suggestion and make a quick search first. You agree to that? Yes, sir. I do. Then if we don't find it, we'll have to warn the passengers. Captain, we've got to find it. Alone in the dim baggage room, I went through the same movements as I had earlier in the captain's cabin. Gun in one hand, flashlight in the other, poking into every dark corner behind every trunk and every box. Since there was no one in the baggage room, I could keep the gun cocked and ready. The rest of those poor devils were having to do the same thing, barehanded. All over the ship, the search went on. Here now, Stuart. What on earth are you doing rummaging through my cabin? Just checking up, ma'am. Well, I'm quite sure there's nothing in here that has to be checked. Sorry, ma'am. Captain's orders. It'll only take a few minutes. Well, I never heard of such a thing. A passenger simply doesn't have any privacy at all. I've traveled on a lot of different lines, but I've certainly never heard of anything so completely high-handed. I'm sorry, sir. I wonder if you'd mind moving over to the other rail. I'd like to look through these lockers. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. What's the matter? You lost something? No, no, just looking things over. Nothing in there but life preservers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Must be getting ready to sink the boat, huh? <laughs> Gonna collect all the insurance, eh? Gonna send us all to the bottom, huh? <laughs> but not one of us could find that deadly shape. Perhaps coiled in some dark corner or outstretched along a window seat. Not one of us caught a glimpse of that horrid head with its beady black watchful eyes. It was nearly dark when we met again together in the chart room. Well, gentlemen, there's no other way around it. We've risked all the time we can. We've got to warn the passengers. But how'll we do it, Captain? Call them all together in the lounge? No. If we did anything like that, we'd be asking for a panic. We'll get one whether we ask for it or not. Uh, pick a few men and go through the cabin decks. Tell them individually, inside their cabins. Mm -hmm. Watch for any that act like they might cause trouble and we'll keep an eye on them. Handle the crew the same way. Yes, right, sir. Now, as soon as you're finished, arm all the deck officers and start searching again. Our only chance of preventing a panic is to find that snake. The slow nightmare that followed grew worse by the hour. None of us slept. All the ship's officers not on duty kept on with that endless search. Passengers locked themselves in their cabins or huddled together in the lounges, knowing all the time that no spot on board could be called safe. Fear was a heavy fog in the lungs of us all, and every light on the vessel burned throughout the night. Morning came and brought no relief. Terror and tension mounted by the hour. There now, Mrs. Crane, go back to your cabin. The horrid thing's probably crawled overboard in No, you're not saying that. You're paid to say it. You don't know. Nobody knows. Now, now, everything's going to be all right. Oh, if we could only get off the ship. They could fumigate it. Yes, yes, that's what we've got to do. We've got to get off the Mr. ship. Mr. Bowman, she's going to jump. No, you don't. Let, her, let me go. Nice work, Mr. Bowman, nice work. Now get her down to her cabin. And whatever you do, don't turn her loose. I'm telling you, you don't know where it might strike you. Well, you can't put on a coat or move a chair without risking your life. Something's got to be done. I might be right here in this lounge. All right, mister, you better quiet down and take it easy. Take it easy, huh? 
You're a great officer. Why don't you do something about it? Thing might be crawling around here right under our feet somewhere. I said shut up. Are you trying to start a panic? I got a right to talk. I don't want to die. Nobody's going to tell me what I... The second night passed, and morning came around again. A gray and rainy day that dragged by with leaden hours. And then night came down again, third night of the terror. Again, every light burned, and the whole ship seethed in the throes of incipient panic. Faced by a horror they'd never met on the sea before, crew and officers alike were on the verge of revolt. Passengers huddled in a trance-like stupor, ready to scream at the slightest unknown sound. Seven bells, I made my way forward to the chart room and found Captain Wood bent over a desk. Oh, hello, Christopher. Come on in, sit down. It's got to be somewhere, Captain Wood. It's got to be. Well, I don't know. You could search this ship for six months and never touch all the hiding places aboard. Yeah, if we can only hold out for two more days, we'll be in port. What's your home office say? Here's the latest wireless from them. <laughs> keep quiet and keep coming. What else can we do? You want a cigarette? Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. How is it below, Christopher? That's yeah, pretty bad. Anything could happen. Yeah. That's why I took the guns away from the men. One pistol shot and we'd have a riot on our hands. The whole thing's my fault, Captain. What? Well, that's what I can't forget. Oh, no, take it there easy, There was only son. one way I could pay for it myself alone. No, now, I know how you feel, but it's no more your fault than mine or the man who asked you to bring that snake back alive. Nobody planned this. Now, look, Christopher, I think you'd better try to get a little sleep. No, oh, sleep. Mr. Bowman made some coffee down in the steward's galley a while ago. You better go down and get yourself a cup and then rest for a couple of hours. Rest? I can't Christopher. rest. Christopher! It's not going to help any if you stumble through a hatch half asleep and break your neck. Now, go on and get some coffee. One way or another, we've got to hold out for two more days. The light was on in the steward's galley. The coffee pot was standing on the stove. It was still warm, so I didn't bother to heat it. I poured out a cup. Carried it over and set it on the porcelain tabletop in the center of the room. I started to light a cigarette. The door of the pan cupboard beneath the sink was standing slightly ajar. I happened to glance toward it. I dropped the cigarette and moved slowly backward. I'd found the Bushmaster. As I moved, the snake slid out of the cupboard in a single sinuous slide and drew back into a loose coil on the galley floor, never taking his eyes off me. I backed slowly away, waiting any moment for that deadly, slithering strike. How had he known it was me? He'd stayed quiet when Bowman was here. How had he picked the first time in five days that I was without a gun? My hands touched the wall behind me, and I stopped in terror. The call button and the door were on the far side of the room. I backed into a dead end. I stared at the snake in fascination, expecting any moment the ripping slash of those poison fangs. The lethal coils tightened a little then we're still again. Ten million years of evolution to produce this moment. Homo sapiens versus Lysisus mutus. A man against mute fate. And all the odds were on fate. I knew then that I was going to die. I could feel the sweat run down between the wall and the palms of my hands pressing against it. My skin crawled and twitched and the pit of my stomach was cold as ice. 
There was no sound but the rush of blood in my ears. The snake shifted again, drawing into a tighter coil, always tighter. Why didn't the devil get it over with? Then for an instant his head veered away. Something moved by the stove. I didn't dare turn to look at it. Slowly it entered my line of vision. It was a cat. That scrawny cat Clara that Mother Willis had sneaked aboard in LaGuaira. Its back was arched, and every hair stood on end. It moved stiff-legged now, walking in a half-circle around the snake. The bushmaster moved slowly and kept watching the cat. He tightened. He was going to strike at any second. He struck a mist. The cat was barely out of reach. Now she was walking back and forth again. She was asking to die. Missed again by a fraction of an inch. He was striking now without even going into full coil. Missed again and again, always missing by the barest margin. Each time the cat danced barely out of reach, and each time she counted with one precise spat of a dainty paw, bracing her skinny frame on three stiff legs. And then suddenly I realized what she was doing. The Bushmaster was tiring, and one strike was just an instant slow, but in that split second, sharp claws raked across the evil head and ripped out both the lidless eyes. The cat has deliberately blinded the snake. He didn't bother the coil now, but slid after her in a fury, striking wildly, but always missing, and every strike was a little slower than the last one. Until finally, as the snake's neck stretched out at the end of a strike, the cat made one leap and sank her razor-sharp teeth just back of the ugly head, sank them until they crunched bone. With tooth and claw she clung as the monstrous snake flailed and lashed on the floor, striving to get those hideous coils around her, trying to break her hold to shake off the slow and certain paralyzing death that gradually crept over him, and at last stilled his struggles forever. I took a deep breath. The first in minutes. The cat lay on her side on the floor, panting resting from the fight just over. Well, she had a right to rest. That mangy, brave, beautiful alley cat had just saved my life, and maybe others as well. But as I turned toward the stove, I suddenly became very humble, and I knew all at once what a small thing a human being really is. There were three reasons why that cat had fought and killed the world's deadliest snake. And those three reasons came tottering out from under the stove on shaky little legs. Three kittens with their eyes bright with wonder and their tails stiff as pokers. Up on the decks, hundreds of passengers were waiting for the news that the days and nights of terror were ended Well, they could wait a little longer. I pulled open the doors of the cabinet and found a can of milk in a saucer. Then I dropped down on my knees on the floor of the galley. In summer heat, when the old sun beats down and the thermometer goes up and up, your car's motor gets really hot. And that can mean trouble, because that searing heat is mighty hard on your motor oil. In summertime especially, you need the protection of oil that holds its body under the toughest driving conditions. You need Rich Lube all-weather motor oil. Rich Lube is refined 100% from the costliest Pennsylvania crude obtainable. Rich Lube is tough. It protects your motor by drawing excess heat away from moving parts and by its great lubricating qualities. Moreover, it contains special chemicals that combat carbon and harmful deposits. It cleans your motor as you drive. 
So get real motor protection this summer. Ask the Richfield gasoline dealer to change your oil to Rich Lube, all-weather motor oil. Keep your motor clean. Keep your motor young. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. And tonight has presented A Shipment of Mute Fate by Martin Storm, adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield. David Ellis was Chris, Bill Conrad the captain. Sarah Selby was Mother Willis, and David Light was Clara the cat. Others in the cast were Verna Felton, Ted DeCorsia, Harry Bartell, and Paul Fries. Special music arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. Next week... You are running a charter fishing boat in the waters off Nicaragua. Until one day, a client suddenly offers to shoot you in the leg and throw you overboard to the ravenous sharks and barracuda from which there can be no escape. Next week at this time, the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York invites you to escape to Central America with a story of murderous intrigue along the tropic coast as Anthony Ellis tells it in his exciting story, Sharkbait. Be listening. Goodbye then until this same time next week when once again we offer you Escape. Tom Hanlon speaking over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. (laughs) 